Jay Powell punched out the bulls today at the annual summer soiree for Federal Reserve officials in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The Dow down over 1,000 points today after the Federal Reserve chairman said that there will be another, quote, unusually high rate hike when the Fed meets again in September. Welcome, everyone, to BHS Live. We're going to take you right into it and explain why this happened today. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Tobin Smith, out in sunny Scotts. Arizona. And Toby, we were just talking. We didn't think the Dow was going to drop this much. But boy, traders ran for the exits. Is this the start of a big, big sell-off that we can anticipate up until the Fed meeting in September? Well, first off, Todd, take a breath. Okay, just take a <laughs> breath. I don't want you to pass out. Of well, course you know, not. At Transformity Research, Tell me. we have, we have um, with our subscribers and our uh, money management clients, have held this position since the beginning of the rally in, in, in June. Yeah. Number one, the rally in June, you know, we were way oversold. There was it hit, it hit every button you'd want to hit for a bear market bounce. But okay. in every every bear market that's been caused by the Fed, the only time those bear markets actually ever end is when the Fed says, okay, we're done tightening. Then retail money came in, you know, as they talked about 401k money, et cetera, et cetera. We got into summer. There weren't a lot of sellers. There was really a seller strike going on. And so guess what? Right. The thing kept going up. But then the narrative changed. And the narrative became, oh, you know, there's going to be the Fed pivot. And that means that, you know, come September 15, they're they're going to cut, start cutting rates because yeah. the market's so down. You know, the old Fed put bullshit. Right. And, uh, and gosh, guess what? Uh, I, I've been writing about this for a while. It, it's the psychology that matters to Jay Powell and to Jay Powell's psychology, I should say. And the question was, I was there in 1981. I was just talking to a friend of mine who was a bond trader in LA at the same time. And here we were selling like bond related stuff with 19% treasury bonds. If you couldn't make money by you could buy a muni bond for 15% yield tax-free. Are you Incredible. kidding me? Right? Wow. So, but at the same time, bonds are dropping in value like you know dead soldiers and so the one thing that he was afraid of his his place in history and jay powell's place in history could either be arthur burns the guy who let that inflation go away and wasn't a, you know wasn't a real man or six foot six paul cigar smoking paul voker from texas <laughs> one badass mofo yeah came in and uh got the you know the federal market committee to, to raise rates the fed funds rate to 19.8%. I mean, yeah, incredible. oh my God, we had a yeah. recession and then we like barely got our heads out of the sewer and then we had another recession, yeah. um, <laughs> but it got rid of entrenched inflation yeah. and, and, and you have to smother. So the question was, who is he going to be? Was he going to be Arthur Burns or Paul Boker? And my call is, I mean, I've interviewed him a number of times. I've, I know people who know him. He's from the private equity side of the world. The guy's a history nut. And he does not want to be that guy. That yeah. is, it was the Arthur Burns of the 21st century. And so, <laughs> you know, they had to man up. I mean, that's just... Yeah. And the other fact, Todd, we talked about it. You can't take 9% inflation down by doing 50 basis point rate hikes. Right. You have to... Mother, the economy, the whole the, the whole toolkit is a is a code word for yeah. the performance art, smothering an economy, but not telling people that you're smothering, okay? Well, and, well, and he did it today. Market, yeah, but he the market it, he, got wrong-footed. The market got into this narrative that, oh my God, the Fed pivot's coming. And that was complete BS. 
Well, the market actually, the market recovered on what, 7 trillion in equity value since the lows of mid-June. Now you have Chairman Powell. And yeah, I agree. I don't think Chairman Powell was expecting this huge sell-off today following his comments, Um, but he got what he wanted because now the household balance sheet is now going to be, going to have a dent in it going into the weekend. You already saw consumer spending numbers coming out of the government this morning that showed that they were lower. So now people are saying, oh my goodness, I just, I'm not feeling as wealthy as I did maybe 24 hours ago. They're not going to be spending a lot of money this weekend. It does it does happen. And you need to bring that down. You're absolutely right. The question remains, though, for the markets and for investors, what do we do now? Because if this is the case, the Fed's not meeting for another five weeks. Is this yeah. so off going to continue? I mean, again, let's always put it in the context of this is a Friday in the frigging summer. The True. So volumes volume, were up, volume, volumes were higher today. Though. Right. The volume were higher. And that was also the VIX, you know, the, the fear rate. We, you know, there's sort of three, two things you, to end a bear market, you need at least two things. The one thing is, is you need the capitulation days, uh, D-A-Z-E, uh, where, where, the people just throw in the towel and say, screw it, I can't take the pain any longer. Just fuck, sell, 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 right? And we haven't had that. And you get that by getting the VIX, the rate of the cost of buying a, a put option versus a call option it goes up to like 40, 38 to 40. But really capitulation is when you go over 40. And we've had this VIX you know, index now for almost 20 years. And every bear market bought it has had that capitulation because literally you run out of sellers. Capitulation is everybody who is going to sell is scared to death, has just hit sell everything. They're done. And at the end of that process, then there's buyers who have to buy. In other words, institutions that they can't sit in cash. The 401k money is coming in. It has to go in an index fund, blah, blah, blah. And that's how you get a durable bottom. And we haven't had near to that. What today was, was just the capitulation of the pivot buyers or the pivot believers, I should say, which I don't know what dope they're smoking. Maybe it's better back there in New York than it is out here in Arizona. (laughs) But that was a false narrative. So now the question is, yeah, how much more do we go? Well, it's summer. It's before Labor Day. Volume is going to be light next week. If people want to sell, the market's going down because there's a buyer's strike again, essentially, um, from this. Uh, Right. So do we need to flesh them out back to that 3,800 point? Well, that's what I would expect to happen um, if you bought in of the idea of a pivot, because you now know it's Paul Volcker time, not Arthur yeah. Burns time. And yeah. Paul Volcker time is not 19%, but it's more like four, four and a half percent Fed funds rate, yeah. which means remember mortgages today were six and a half percent. They were yeah. freaking two and a half percent, you know, five months ago. Well, so, here, here's the here's the flip side of all of this. Here's the way I look right. at it. Like I said, we saw uh, that during this bear market rally from mid-June, you had valuations higher. There seemed to be this optimistic tone on Wall Street. Like you mentioned, the pivot, everybody figured the Fed will be actually going to only 50 basis points. And I say only 50 basis points, which used to be remarkably hawkish. But now we're talking about much higher uh, rate hikes. But now the fear is like, whoa, what all of a sudden, immediately, we take a complete reversal now on that optimism. Now everybody's feeling pessimistic. You have the household balance sheet that's crumbling. You have debt to income ratios that are going higher by the minute, it seems. And now you got the Fed chairman that says, look, guys, we're going to do whatever it takes and we're going to keep hiking rates until that inflation number goes down. And guess what? If we have job losses, if we have a recession, who cares? I mean, that's what that's the way they seem to be going. And now Wall Street strategists are saying, okay, we're into a recession in 2023. 23. And now everybody is feeling just incredibly pessimistic. I mean, it just things have changed in a week, Toby. And I got to tell you, I do. I now have turned that way. 
And now oh, I'm God. thinking we're going to have. Oh, I know, tell, yeah. Tell that. That and now I'm going to be the, pessimistic. The bottom's in, for God's sakes. It's, it's the Schoenberger bottom, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But hey, I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. But I got to tell you right now, it's not looking yeah. good. Well, I, I would. You got to put. I think this in context that on, on a day like today, uh, where we're short the QQQs, is is a you know a tactical move. Yeah. Our energy stocks were mostly up. Our Ammonia, nitrogen manufacturers were up. Uh, our Petrobras $32 billion uh, energy complex out of Brazil that sells all its yeah. oil and gas to, to, to uh, Europe uh, was up. And oh, by yeah. the way, they pay about a 35% dividend. Of the things yeah. we own that pay, we're fine. I mean, I was the weird part, but I'll tell you this you know, I, I, we get open up today and we're green like yeah. 2.5%. Yeah. Mean, uh, I know. I, you know, all of a sudden, like, geez, I go to the bathroom or something. I come back and boom, you know, the speech is going. And it's a I guarantee practice. you the algorithms were set to say, if he says this word or this phrase or he's hawkish, yeah. get me the F out. Uh, yeah. Because that's what momentum people do. Uh, yeah. Momentum works upside and downside. Uh, today, if you looked at the numbers, I'd say about 74% of all the trades, uh, uh, certainly on the New York Stock Exchange, were computer-driven. They're from computer systems. And then the computer system doesn't mean you're on a PC, you're, you know, you're selling. It means that it went. It was a computer-driven sale, so it, it, it goes into the into the dark market, goes into the trading zones for um for algorithms. Yeah. So that was clearly, you know, a, you know, get me the F out. This, I didn't expect this. The market looks like it's telling me, oh, I'm getting out early. And so a, a couple of longs that we had that I thought were going to affect it, we, we sold early into it. And I'm very glad for that. So we're probably 60% cash right now, but the 40% is up ridiculous. I mean, we, we were up 22% this week with options and other stuff. It's not a bear market for everybody. It's a bear market for People who blindly buy uh, stocks uh, without any idea of what the macro deal is. And we're big on the macro version and the micro version. And I think that's what's really helped us. So Wall Street history has shown us that when we have a dramatic sell-off like we did today on a Friday, the next trading day, typically on a Monday, unless there is a holiday, there is recurring selling. Only because you yeah. have the retail investor, they're looking at the headlines in the newspaper through the weekend, and they hear why we went down. And then they look at the actual number. And they get nervous and then they sell out of their mutual fund position. So realistically, for the listeners and viewers of this show, you're probably going to see that sell-off continue, at least in the short term. But it is going to be some tough territory, tough conditions for equity markets, especially since we just closed out our second straight down week. We'll get into a little bit more of that later on, too. Yeah, I mean, show. I guess, I mean, Todd, the other issue is it should you be brave on monday well it does depend on how long your your time frame is if you're 35 and you're you know not going to be touching up money for 30 years yeah you don't care actually what you want is to buy on down days that's the strategy for True. long term i manage money for people who are already rich and don't want to become less rich so yeah. I'm, I'm i have a whole you know different perspective on it the, the thing that was interesting is that this was the keep it simple, stupid message. Usually, Jay Powell and all the other guys, Bernanke, et cetera, there's all 12 letter words and, you know, a con, you know concepts and blah. This was, this was Clint Eastwood. I'm going to make your day. Look at me. Look at my eyes. I'm serious, M, M effort. Okay? We're going to do it until it goes yeah. away. Final. No more yeah. questions. Okay. You, you look a, you look psychotic when you do that, when you get that I know, close I, to this the camera, like, yes. <laughs> he had that look, man. I mean, he was like dead freaking serious. He um, did, I know. And, for an eight minute for an eight minute speech too, by the way. Yeah, I do, I know. <laughs> well, as soon as I saw you know this stuff like turn red, I turned him on and yeah. I, I I was like, man. 
Um, That's funny. He, you know, history, because remember what he said? History has proven that yes. um, if we don't attack this, that you know, we're going to have a big problem. So I rest yeah. my case. The guy who wants to keep his place in history is not being the, the next Arthur Burns. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit more as the show goes on. And obviously, with a sell-off like this, we're going to have to continue this conversation. But coming up next, after the break, though, first, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's student forgiveness plan. Is there a way to profit from this? Toby and I are going to tell you how. Please stick with us. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to VHS Live. I'm Todd Schoenberger. I am joined by my friend Tobin Smith. And Toby, this week we heard President Biden talk about something that politicians have been dreaming of happening (laughs) for decades, and that is student loan forgiveness. And the president came through for many of these politicians after he said that the federal government will forgive a particular amount that's $10,000 up to ten, actually up to $20,000 a day, if you include the Pell Grants, and uh, if you're making less than 125000 It's going to be wiped clean, wiped clean. Woo-hoo! I have no idea what that means about, you know, your credit score or whatever, but regardless, no. they're, uh, this is a big thing. It's a big policy move from Washington, and it's likely going to stay in place, I would imagine, as long as the president is in the White House until uh, somebody else gets in there. Maybe they'll reverse this. Is there a way to profit from this, Toby? And I, nobody's talking about it on any of the financial channels. Nobody's thinking, hey, there is a way to profit. I was doing some research. I saw some things. But what do you think? I think there is a way to make money. Well, I mean, I look a couple of little facts. And I know that, you know, facts make your head hurt and stuff. But anyway, don't let me say this. <laughs> Number one, when you, when you rescind the loans, dude, the loans are rescinded. So there's no reinstating them two years later it, you know that's that ship has sailed number one no I know, two, no i know that but what yeah. happens if you're going forward is this going to, i mean if, if you get a loan a year from now is that loan also going to be forgivable that ten thousand no. or twenty thousand hours 
It's just no. a one-time deal. It's a one-time deal, uh, number one. And, and it's September 30th, I think, is the cutoff date. All right. Secondarily, they're not even paying those loans right now. They're not even paying until December. It's already, you know, so they haven't made a payment, right? Right. But the one that really gets me is that, particularly like if you're in New York, you're going to get, let's say you get a $20,000 wipe out of that. You're going to have to pay about $1,500 in taxes because that's like earned <laughs> income. Yes. I wonder if they thought that through. I mean, I guess it's okay. Uh, I was hoping that all those people who got the $300 billion of loans wiped out, we're going to come into the market today and save the market. I thought that would be a great idea. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it I would, I, what really got me, Todd, was that if you live in the digital jungle, i.e. I Twitter, and you, I follow left and right you know, people, and there were people on the left, particularly progressive, who were pissed at Joe Biden. They were promised $100,000, you know, yeah. the person who, for, you know, a fourth century BC Greek philosopher, uh, <laughs> you know, masters or PhD from, from Harvard, who has $120,000 loans. They were like yeah. praying to some God that uh, they were finally going to get out from under this thing. And, I, and as he said, actually be able to maybe buy a house and start a family. It really talks to, a, obviously it's a political, you know, game. And, and trust me, his, his points already have gone up six points in the, I know. Last, in the last you know four days right what else but, is he gonna do he, he can forgive car loans i bet you'll go up another six points car loans. <laughs> um I, I was thoroughly behind first off remember he had the itt trade school which was a bunch of malarkey and some of these other ones that were just frauds and you know you didn't have to show up to class you got a graduation you know that sort of yeah. stuff so and the government made those loans i mean that came out with the department of education that made a lot right. of sense uh this I never understood the rationale behind it. I, I still don't. I mean, I read the idea was that the, the school was so expensive that we should give you a discount on that. But yet the human being, you know, with their eyes wide open, sign a contract. If you yeah. buy a house, a mortgage, if the house goes down in value, you still have to pay the mortgage. There's no right. relief there. So I don't, I, I mean, it, it seems so shamelessly political, but it was a it promise is. he made when he ran. And, yeah. you know, when the ship is taken on water, then you bail out with, with you know, a giveaway. Uh, and, and he says right. it's covered by the, uh, my favorite, Inflation Reduction Act. Reduction Act, Act yeah. Yeah, that um, the only way that that's going to get covered is with this corporate minimum tax. So I, it just felt so political. Now, how do you make money? So I'm, I'm actually looking at SoFi. Because SoFi okay. is a is a huge player in uh, refinancing student loans, right? Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden their book of business is safer, but they're you know going to keep it, and then people are going to refinance now that yep. they have ten or twenty thousand. So that's the one I like. I mean, the other one I like is is a Stride, you know, simply because they do they run you know real online school. By the way, Todd, I think the the cure for this this ridiculous insanity. We were, I was talking with a friend yesterday when my wife went to Queens University, one of the finest you know universities uh, in the land. It was it was like three hundred dollars a semester. Uh, when I went to uh, Long Beach State, UCLA, it was like eight hundred dollars a semester. Now yeah. you know UCLA is thirty five thousand. Yeah. Uh, if you went to Stanford, Stanford seventy two thousand a year. Yeah. And so obviously you just create this feedback loop where only the ultra wealthy. Uh, very high income households can pay those numbers. I have friends, you know, who've done their, their saving judiciously since their children were born. Yeah. Um, and uh, through the, um, the, what, the 403Bs, you know, they've got like 150, 200 grand money to pay tuitions. And like both the kids want to go to Stanford. <laughs> so yeah. after two years, you know, all the money they save is gone. Right? So I, I, 
conceptually, but, I understand. But, but there, there's, a, there's a reason for this, though. And oh. if the federal government is going to come in and they're going to pay X amount of dollars towards a loan, the colleges are saying, great, I got the government backing this. There's a reason why tuition is double the amount of regular inflation that we see for, yeah. for goods. And yeah. So, so as a result, it's like if you, if you went into a grocery store, this is good for the listeners, and you bought a loaf of bread. And normally a loaf of bread goes for five dollars. We'll just say I know it's a lot, but it's five dollars. But the store says, well, hell, the government's gonna pay for half of this. I'm gonna charge 10 bucks. Of course you're gonna charge 10 dollars. So now you have colleges that are doing the same thing. And you said you said this is a one-time deal for this. I find that hard to believe because the government never does anything a one-time deal, especially when it comes to spending. So I'm going to suspect that this is going to continue and it might even raise the amounts of this forgiveness that's gonna happen. And their well, college inflation is going to go even higher. Yeah, but you can't you can't forgive a loan twice. I mean, right. if what you're saying is- says, But the, right, the, doing... the 20,000 20, might just be for a portion of that loan, not for <laughs> everything that everybody owes. True, that would be intriguing. And, and then- then I, I would I would assume that because you have to go to the congressional uh, scoring department and score, you know, how that's going to help. I mean, I thought the, the, the two things that always got me is number one, the right wing GOP guys were like, dude, this is going to feed inflation. And what yeah. they don't quite understand is, is the average loan out there is like 48,000 bucks. So, yeah. and, and they haven't, they're still not going to have to pay it, start paying what their balance is until January. They haven't been paying for two years. So if you, right. if you had crazy wild ass spending by 28 million or 38 million people who that's not going to reappear because they've already spent the money. But I think that it's just it's it's the concept of you sign a contract, you borrow money, and that is your obligation. And you did it without anybody holding a gun to your head. Right. And you said to yourself, to me, it's going to bring some rationality to uh, future students that say, listen, if you're going to borrow seventy five or one hundred or one hundred fifty thousand dollars to get a Ph.D. in Romance languages, then <laughs> you better get a job that's going to freaking pay that you can pay it back or have your parents suck it up. But if, yeah. if none of that's available, you can't bitch and moan that you acquired a skill that only right. allows you to be a college professor or a high school teacher and you're going to yeah. make you're not going to make enough money. It's going to take you 30 years to pay that freaking thing off. You it know, is. Uh, there's a price to everything. There's a cost to everything. Uh, and uh, oh, let's not forget about the fact when you get your PhD, let's see, you've been in four years of college, two years of a master, another two year or one year of PhD. Yeah. You're like a you're like my physician friends who got out of school at 32. Yeah. And why, why do they get paid so much? Because they've been out of the workforce. I was in the workforce for eight years <laughs> while making really good money while they're sitting there, you know, getting all their degrees. And I, God bless them. At least they can, you know, that's one of the reasons why doctors get, you know, charged so much is because they're making up for lost time. But at least they have a profession, you know, that has high value. Uh, well, romance you got, language teaching, not going to work. Romance language. Well, you got you to put a lacrosse stick in these kids' hands. That's all I'm going to say. You want some athletic scholarship money if you can get it. That's for sure. There so, you go. But there are, there are a couple of for-profit schools. I this, um, this ad tell them global education, not exactly a brand name, symbols ATGE. Stock was actually down 3%, but did spike higher on the news once we heard about it from Biden. They have these, these schools called Chamberlain University for Nursing, this Walden University for Medical and, and Vet School, you know, this Raw School of Medicine. I mean, that or this Perdoke CEO, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, I'm sure. But symbols P R D O, 
Yeah, Perdaca. Okay, there you go. That's another Colorado Technical University. They this company owns. When you these are for profit schools, but they're able to get these loans. I mean, if it does move on, I don't know if it will. Like you said, it's a one time deal. If it does continue, you never know. There might be some opportunities. Well, for I you just there anyway. yeah, I just I don't understand. I I don't comprehend the idea that th- this was not a going forward deal. This was a going backward deal. Yeah, so when you get a loan to go to Ad Tillum to learn to be a nurse and make great money, you still owe that money to Ad Tillum. That's true. We're just wiping out debt that people who are already out of college who are paying those loans. Yeah. All right, so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's switch topics real quick. So Adderall, something that college students seem to take because they needed to stay up all night to study. Let's hope they're studying. Is uh, uh, they, actually have, they actually have supply shortages right now. There's several of these pharmaceutical companies are just getting slammed because there's an expectation that this Adderall, the supplies are so... They're, they're so thin right now that a lot of these companies, the pharmaceuticals, are not expecting supply growth until well into the fall, probably into winter. Not looking uh, really good for the for those that really needed the ADHD patients. Yeah. They they clearly need this this type this drug. But what's happening with these pharmaceuticals? Is this a chance to actually see a window of opportunity, or you, what do you think? I mean, Teva Pharmaceuticals down three percent today. This yeah. um this Novartis was down one percent. And I know we had so often the broader averages. But is this now a time that you would start thinking, okay, it's just a short-term blip. These are great long-term holds. What do you well, think? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Tiba is like the king of generic drugs. They yeah. make most of their compounds in India now. And Adderall is, is a generic drug. So there's no pricing leverage. There's no leverage. I know from kids related to me that are in college, and certainly for the last 15 years, is, dude, you just go on the internet, and you order Adderall, and some guy shows up in your dorm room with Adderall. It's, it's awful. Yeah, it, it's basically <laughs> a black market item at this point. People are buying yeah. it in India, packing their suitcase is or boxes, sending it to their Adderall junkie or your Adderall connection. So no, I don't. You know, I don't think it has any. There's no investable move here. Novartis Adderall for Novartis is they invented Adderall, but once it went generic, no. Next, it's okay. Just well, you're real right. money making in drugs. The real okay, yeah. money making in drugs is we govy. W-E-G-O-V-Y, which are these GLP-1 inhibitors that guarantee that you will lose 10% of your body fat in 12 months. Uh, and, really? And, yeah, that's Nova Norris is one of the big players. Uh, and Eli Lilly. The problem with them is they're pretty dang expensive. If you're, if you're not covered in insurance, it, it will cost you $5,000 a year to do that. But they're doing all sorts of marketing deals, particularly WeGovy, which is Nova Norse. As a matter of fact, they're using a firm. I love seeing this, you know, the buy now, pay later thing. So they'll sell you a year's supply for $1,600 and yeah. you put it on your Affirm account and now it's $120 a month. Assuming, I mean, that's all. That's it. There's no, even if you got a $20,000 deductible on your health insurance, it's still, you know, $1,200. Well, yeah. for WeGovy, that's great because the cost for them to make it is probably about three dollars because you know they have, they they own the formula so it's just uh, when you look look at the impact in the United States particularly the fattest place on freaking earth where where people could get below the normal BMI where they can all of a sudden blood pressure go down diabetes go down all the all the you know 
obesity-related uh, issues and extend yeah. their life about 10 years. You know, in Mississippi, the average age of death is 71. In yeah. my little, my hood out here, the average age of death is 86 for people born in the same year. Obesity, obviously, is the biggest issue in the United States in terms of health. Uh, I would be more, much more happy to, to own, and I do own Eli Lilly, and I do own Nor Norse, because as these things get out there, this is the miracle drug of miracle drugs. Uh, that's what I want to bet on. I want to bet on the, because from a, if you're an HMO or you're a managed care plan, you realize that 1% of people in the United States, first off, we have a $2 trillion healthcare bill. Well, 1% yep. of people uh, uh, create almost 28% of the cost. The top 5% of people create 65% of the entire $2 trillion bill in the United States. The number one way you could cut that is to get these morbidly obese people yeah. back to a normal way. Their life would be better. Their health bill comes down amazingly. The stroke, the brain hemorrhages, the heart attacks, the, the most expensive stuff that happened doesn't happen. Huh. I'm going to run for president, Todd. I'm running yeah. on only one, one plank. Yeah. That every person in the United States with a BMI more than 28 yeah. will get on this for a one-year program. Let's it'll go. It'll be free. And if I'll you lose the you. weight, you're going to get a $2,500 check from the government because we know that we're going to save huge amounts of money. Because at this point, the United States is basically a trillion-dollar insurance company with its own army. Because if you take the spending yeah. we have on healthcare, you take the spending we have on military, add it together, it's more than any other country in the world, just in those yeah. two areas. So why don't we do something to solve this problem as opposed to you know well, just paying for it? I like that. And I'm I'm assuming that this is an official announcement, Toby, that you are going to be running for president of the United States. I think this is fantastic news. We've been looking for breaking news on BioCell. Now yeah. we got it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let me just say this, Todd. First off, my skeletons in the closet, they have skeletons too, okay? So <laughs> So I don't that's think great. I don't think it's really probably in the cards there, but uh, I'm gonna that's too bad. I'm gonna work on this uh, deal because if you get, get enough senators on and get enough Congress people on board, it that's a great it, idea. Is, it makes so much sense. Yeah, that that's what scares me. But what politician would be against that? Well, you know what it is. I think it's a social issue there. I mean, I mean, we we're, we're going to talk about restaurant stocks in the next yeah. block, but you know, one of my favorites is McDonald's. I mean, personally, I love seeing fat kids running around, and I <laughs> wish that they brought back Joe Camel. So they all start smoking cigarettes again. I think that's fantastic news. But that's that shows for me population a, control. Is that for I don't care. I want I want growth. I'm, I'm looking for the revenue and I'm looking for the for the stock growth. That's what I like. But I get what you're saying. You're looking at it from a social um, social uh, aspect to it, and, and I think that's great. Is, and it's very kind own, of you. You own McDonald's stock, so you want to yeah. see more more morbidly obese kids of because course. they're going to buy more burgers. <laughs> of course, yes. That's what it's exactly what you want. Right? Am I wrong about this, Toby? You know, I, I if you listen on your front door, I think the morality police are calling right now. <laughs> this is great. I tell you, I love it. I love it. Well, I'm just being funny, actually. I know. I, I, half half joking on, on some of that. But anyway, but we'll get to that in, uh, in the next block. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, thank you for being with us on VHS Live. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about one of Toby's favorite subjects, wine. We're going to talk about wine stocks. Is there a way to profit from that? We're coming up on the Labor Day weekend. Obviously, football season. I know people are drinking beer, but they also drink wine during the game. And we're also going to talk about those restaurant stocks. So please stay with us. Hi, my name is Joe Grogan. 
And I'm Eric Ulan for DCEKG. DCEKG is all about the how and why of Washington, D.C., what's going on, what's going on behind the headlines. We spend a lot of time talking about healthcare and economic policy, but frequently delve into trade policy and sometimes national security or whatever's happening on Capitol Hill. Between Joe and I, we have nearly five decades of Washington experience. We put that to work with our guests to explain to you what's going on in Washington. I always found myself calling Eric when I didn't understand what was happening and always found him to be really good at explaining to me some of the things that I wasn't seeing. And I hope our guests will get the same type of insights. I always found myself talking to Joe when I couldn't believe what I was seeing happening to understand exactly how the heck we got to where we were. Tune in to DCEKG anywhere podcasts or YouTubes are available. You won't regret it. Reserve Chairman Jay Powell give a speech which sent traders running for the exit. Toby and I have been talking about it throughout the show. But right now, let's have a little bit of fun and we're going into the weekend. Let's talk about wine, wine stocks. Everybody seems to be drinking wine these days. You've seen volumes up quite a bit, actually, as far as consumption goes. Toby, you're a huge wine guy. Every time I see your posts on social media, you're always posting something about wine and great food. You're a real connoisseur. You're somebody I look up to when it comes to this industry. Are there a few favorites that you'd like to share with the with the well, listeners? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's very interesting. Charles Mondavi in that Napa Valley in the 60s and early 70s uh, was a, you know, a, a major brand. In the wine business, my family's in the wine business, occasionally you get this infestation called phylloxera, and it's a, basically a mite that gets in the, the fields. Yikes. But it also, also was transferred. They were buying grapes from France that had the phylloxera. We didn't have phylloxera in the United States, right? My point was, the way that they solved the problem is they went public. They raised $50 million dollars. And they tore out all of their grapes in the early 80s and replanted them. And, and that really kick-started, you know, the wine business, particularly in California. Investing in, in wine is a whole different thing. I would much rather, like I, in my old house, I had a, a pretty big wine cellar. And I had wines that I had acquired, particularly in the wine business, there are what's known as first growth. The first growth are the traditional French wines. You know, everybody, the, any famous wine you can think of, Rothschild wine, Chateau Petrus, yada, 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 all those things. They've been one of the best investments in the history of the world uh, because you're not making any more Chateau Petrus 1992, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, honestly, the best investment I found is there are partnerships that go out and buy first growth. Also, by the way, they do the same thing with fine uh, scotch, which is another one of my 12 weaknesses. Really, <laughs> really great because you're not making any more scotch. Once they make the scotch, it's done for the year. So Ardbeg happens to be my favorite. Um, Firstly, they're not a public company. You go into a partnership, limited partnership, you can find them on, online. And, and they you put your money and they buy the stuff. And then 15 years later, 20 years later, connoisseurs, people who are collectors say, oh, my God, I need a freaking 1982 uh, art bag to complete my collection. So that because you know how people are about hobbies and collecting. Well, once you right. get a collecting, so it makes sense. Now, in the real life today, what's happening is you got a lot of uh, winemakers who 
are 75, 80 years old, and, and let's just say their kids don't want to be in the business. So Duckhorn Vineyards is a uh, public company now. And what they're yes. doing in Napa uh, is they're, they're buying, essentially retiring older founders, guys. I mean, my favorite, some of my favorite people in Napa, I've been going there for literally 50 years, are the, the guys who started. There's Brown Vineyards, which is about to be sold to Duckhorn. They make uh -huh. a fantastic Zinfandel. It was Dr. Tony Brown, who is a doctor at the hospital, a heart surgeon, the hospital I was born, Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena. His hobby, he'd fly out to Napa and he bought, he bought land out in a valley that everybody said would never work. He was an idiot, so on and so forth. And now he's going to sell his winery for $250 million. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, um, you know, there's a thousand stories like that in, in Napa. Yeah. But I, if Duckhorn is, to me, the right strategy. Um, and they're going to be acquiring, you know, they've acquired a bunch of stuff. They haven't, you know, they haven't acquired their next door neighbor, though. What's the, uh, what's the Chardonnay that people Kendall call? Kendall Jackson? Uh, you know, not Kendall Jackson. Kendall Jackson's the other side. That's Sonoma. That's all. That's okay. those are bad people over there. No, I'll think of it the same. No, Rombauer. Okay. Okay. Rombauer is up. Our, our winery area is in Calistoga, which is up, up the valley from St. St. Helena. There's no H, by the way. St. Helena. They make a particularly soft and round and, and buttery Chardonnay, the Rombauer Chardonnay. But it's known as in the restaurant business, it used to be called liquid panty remover. That was one thing. And then, <laughs> and now it's, now it's called cougar juice. And they, <laughs> and they call their Zinfandel liquid panty remover because it has a higher alcohol content. Oh my goodness. Look at That's this stuff. That is funny. That well, this duck horn, actually, they just went public in March of last year. The symbol is Napa, N-A-P-A. -A. Yeah. I love that. And they are, they're known as actually, they are the uh, only publicly traded pure play luxury wine company out there. So you're right. If you're looking just for that 100% wine company to invest in, like you said, they're going through all these roll-ups and acquisitions. Definitely looks like the right place to go. I'll tell you when I like Brown Foreman, they actually, they not only are the Jack Daniels, oh, maker, they also have a huge wine business. Stock uh, revenues are up 27% a year over year ending in April. So when you look at that and you see the stock, it's just continuing to grow. People are continuing to drink wine. They obviously like the whiskey, but the wine is a big part of their business. It's all organic growth as well. Yeah, they, so, I uh, mean, definitely a good one. They have been masters really in the, you know, the booze business because they, yeah. they own, you know, they started Jack Daniels, then they moved upscale, then they moved downscale. They did, they've done the same thing in gin, one of my, you know, favorite uh, things. They, they continue now and they, they crush it during COVID uh, for all the obvious reasons. My only question on Brown Foreman is, is, you know, again, are they one of the pandemic pull forward stocks? However, in our house, based on the amount of alcohol that comes in and out, I think we are just doing <laughs> on our side enough to keep them. You're, you know, you're doing your part. <laughs> it's continuing to grow there. Because we're in the desert, the alcohol actually evaporates, Todd. I don't know if you know that. Even with the lid on it, it evaporates very quickly. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, coming up next, everyone, uh, next week, I should say, uh, we have a very special show uh, coming up. We're going to have it out for Labor Day. It's going to be with Toby joining um, Monique Sultani. She is actually a wine expert out there in California. Yep. She has uh, her wine or 
Wino Mai, I think it's called, yes. company. And she is all over the news. She is the, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Her personality is great. But she knows her stuff. She knows the history of it. She knows the people behind these wines. And she's going to get into that. And then so we're doing a wine show? Him in there. We're, we're doing, doing a, a wine show? show just for Labor Day. It's going to be fantastic. So look out for that. I cannot wait for that. Woo-hoo! I just hope we get some samples. That's all I'm looking for. But that's just that's just me as an East Coast guy. So yeah. um, so great topic. Let's switch subjects, though, and kind of stay on that a little bit on the on the consumption of, uh, of food and beverage. But these restaurant stocks that are out right now, they are doing really well only because everybody says pandemic's over. People are going out. They're doing things. They're going to these different restaurants. But a couple of them are just skyrocketing. I mean, obviously, from a fast food standpoint, McDonald's is doing well and will continue to do well. They did get out of Russia, but nobody knows what the amount of money is that they that they're uh, taking on. But they are they did announce that they're going to take a one point two to one point four billion dollar write down off of that agreement. Pretty good. Hey, for the company. That's eight. Hey, that's a billion and a half dollars. I mean, what on the off the balance sheet? Yeah, but it's it's, it's already like it's already sunk costs. You know, they shut it down. They've already taken over and they've turned them into this like uh, I can't remember the name, but it was hilarious. Uh, so no, I mean it's because it's a you know it's already okay. costs money. I mean it's, Brinker, it doesn't cost them anything. They've already spent the money. Brinker International, the uh, owner of Chili's and Maggiano's, is great Maggiano's and Chevy Chase. Maryland, uh, yeah. to a double-decker uh, type of restaurant. It's always packed, always sold out. And that's a place that if you start looking at the company like that, people are out, out and about. You can't get into a Chili's without having to wait for a table right now. And even if you went to sit in the bar, you got to wait. So yeah. I look at that, the stock's doing well. What do you think about restaurant stocks right now, Toby? Is this something you'd well, recommend for your investors? Yeah, I mean, we've owned uh, Chipotle for a long time. Um, Love that. Just because it's it's incredibly well run. If you go to Chipotle, there's only like five decisions. There's only five things you can buy. And they have their costs significantly managed. Uh, the last time I was there, the, the guacamole dollop was $5. I mean, wow. the, 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 the freaking uh, bowl of uh, carnitas was five bucks. It was another five bucks for the guacamole. They So they have very low um, labor costs. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really, you know, tasty food. It's there's room for another three, four thousand of these stores because they were very early in the drive through. Um, yeah. And, you know, you there's one next to a big high school here in, in Scottsdale. OMG. At lunchtime, they're out the door. Uh, you know, they, they specialize in being uh, putting stores near schools, near colleges. You know, you know, in downtown New York, we have like 50 of them. And now because of online ordering, you order, you know, you walk in and pick your stuff up. Well, yeah, that's now like 40 percent of their business is is, uh, you know, Internet sales. So they've done everything right. I don't know what they can add, uh, but but it's extremely well run. And so I like the other one I like though is First Watch. The ticker symbol is FWRG. FWRG, um, okay. Yeah, these guys are only open for breakfast and lunch, and it's a strategy in many areas that really works well. Uh, number one, they have pricing power, and so they pass on inflation costs. You know, if eggs were ten cents an egg, and now they're a dollar, uh, you know, five dollars for twelve. Um, they raise their prices. You know, it's very simple. Uh, it's very simple. You know, food is just really good, fresh. Uh, you know, people who don't cook all the time like I do um, would sort of like it. And even I went to one last week because it was just sort of fun to go out and have breakfast with friends and yada, yada, yada. But th- they both own their stores and they have franchises. The concept works and it works all over the world, by the way. They, they haven't even, you know, they're in Canada for a few stores. Uh, but I thought, but the great thing is that you don't have all these high overhead costs. I mean, the restaurant business is just basically take the food cost 
even when I was back at Chart House back in the <laughs> 70s, and you uh, multiply by three, and that's your price. You take your, your booze costs and you multiply by 10. Uh, and, and that's how you price. And that's how you wind up with about an 8% to 10% margin business when it's all in. But the yeah. biggest cost is labor costs, obviously. So in, in this concept of the first watch, they have very low labor costs and they they have their average ticket uh, is like, you know, 15 bucks for a couple. Uh, their food cost is two bucks. So they're getting a much higher multiple on it. Uh, they don't have the labor costs to go, go after it. And, uh, and people like uh, uh, shopping center, people like to have them in there because it gets people in the shopping centers, you know, in the morning. So yeah, I, I it's, it's the stock's done well. I think it's got a, a long way to go. I mean, the other one I like is restaurant brands just because they QSR, which simply because they're great operators. Uh, and again, they have concepts that require you know not a lot of labor uh, and they own all, all sorts of uh, concepts. Um, I like it. But yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, they, they can raise the prices. I told you the story about when I went to three guys and uh, five, guys, five, five guys. guys, I was reading an article on the, on the wall about how great their four dollar and you know thirty four cent hamburger was. I go up yeah. to buy my hamburger. The woman looks at me and I like I have a ten dollar bill in my hand. I'm expecting it changed. My, yeah. my hamburger was twelve thirty four. Had to pay with your watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we take a Rolex, please? Because I can't. I mean. Uh, it, it, that, that was the shock of, to me, which just yeah. blew me away. But it you look at yeah, yeah. You look at all their ingredients, and I, you know, if if, if Five Guys went public, I'd definitely be a Five Guys guy. Oh, I think every, that and Chick Fil A is another one. They've ever oh God, Chick Fil A! Uh, they just tore oh, down goodness. the Chick Fil A down the street from us because they had to expand the drive-through like three <laughs> times as big because the cars are backed into the street, a busy street, Incredible. waiting Incredible. for Chick Fil A. And the wow. city made them made them add more space, or they were going to shut down their drive-through. That's incredible! What a business that is! I'm telling you, and they're oh. nationwide now. It's good, huge. Well, this yeah. is great. Well, those are great picks, Toby. Well, coming right. up, we have some more great picks for you. We have our buy hold sell predictions. So please stay with us. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. Welcome back to BHS Live. I'm Todd Schoenberger. I'm doing the Smith. And we have our predictions block right now. Toby, let's make some money. What do you have for uh, Apropos to the last conversation we had, uh, I'm buying fertilizer stocks. And, oh. Uh, and the reason is a CBR, the ticker symbol is UAN, CBR Partners. Um, well, here's what's happened. So, you know, 
I've been talking about since forever, uh, our Rexit, R-E-X-I-T trade strategy. And, and you got to trademark that, Toby. Got to I, I actually do. Oh, I, I, I registered Beautiful. the trademark. I did. Beautiful. The idea here is that as the West essentially sanctions or tries to get out of any business with Russia, you have to replace that stuff, right? And so there's all these situations that have occurred that are because of natural gas prices, oil prices, fertilizer prices, et cetera. You know, a lot of people don't know that fertilizer is made from natural gas. Steel is made, you know, mostly from, uh, you know, uh, metallurgical coal. Well, a lot of that comes from Russia. And so companies that are in the in the business of converting natural gas into fertilizer, all of a sudden in Europe, these plants have stopped. They're not making any, and, and you know, you can't plant corn or wheat without ammonia and without, you know, essentially nitrogen-based fertilizer. So these guys have the lowest cost for natural gas because they're all, only in the United States. They export all over the world. They pay about a 16% dividend because they pay out 60% of their free cash flow. And the company sells at about a 2 PE. If you want to own, and, and by the way, nitrogen prices have gone up from left to right like nobody's business because, gee, guess what? If you can't buy Russian, which is the largest, you can't get Ukraine, which is the second largest fertilizer company, yeah. you know, world that you're going to buy North American fertilizer. So there's a company, Nutrient, up in Saskatchewan, which happens to be the fertilizer capital of the world, or potash mm -hmm. capital, I should say. But I just love this UAN because uh, uh, because A, they have pricing power. B, they're, they're going to be raising their dividend. C, they sell it at 2PE. And the theory on the Rexit trade is that these higher for longer prices because we're not going back to get, taking uh, getting natural gas from Russia. We're not going back to buying uh, anything from Russia that we don't absolutely have to. Um, and, and, and so the, the, this is like the perfect beneficiary of the Brexit trade. On the, yeah. on the, on the whole side, uh, I was, you know, continue to hold some of the natural gas stocks. We've talked about PXD. We've talked about a Southwestern SWN. We've talked uh, about and, and, and Tarot Resources, any of those natural gas stocks that I've pitched in the last three months, I definitely be holding because again, natural gas prices by definition are not coming down um, yeah. because of the supply and demand. And then on the sell side, you know, I had talked about, you know, I was the king of uh, dry bulk shippers, right? We made a lot of money in those things, but we sold them in June because if we, first off, they went straight up. Anytime a stock goes up 125%, that's a two PE stock, dude, you got to sell that. Yeah. Thing, okay. That's, a, that's like, yeah. 10 years of gains, right? In, in six months, or in this case, three months. But okay. we sold them. And I keep finding people haven't sold these yet. And the reason why we sold them is the, the, the rate that they get, it's measured by the Baltic Dry Index, the BDI, okay. was up to about $18,000 a day. And so they were just coining money like crazy because their costs per day were about 3000 2500 bucks a day to keep a dry bulk ship going, which is just basically a giant skyscraper put on its side, put an engine on it, hollow out all of them, just pour coal or poor weed or whatever, right? Well, now the, 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 that BDI uh, index has been cut in half. It's almost 60% down. Why? Because A, there's no shipping of wheat out of Russia. There's no shipping of wheat out of Ukraine or very little. Those are huge amounts. And then with a, a, a recession, um, certainly in Europe, there's less consumption. The one thing they're shipping the hell out of is coal. We talked about coal cup, cups a week ago. We love Arch Resources, ARCH. There's just a, you know, they're very cyclical. They follow the business cycle almost to the T. And yeah. with the Fed basically smothering the U.S. economy, the EU getting smothered by their energy costs, you realize that if you have a flat in London and you used to pay 500 you know, excuse me, 200 pounds for your electricity, you're now paying $1,200 for your wow. electricity. Well, Crazy. maybe if you're in London, you can afford it. But for the rest of the UK, it's bloody expensive there. <laughs> and I can't pay the bill. I can't keep the telly on and have the natural. 
of the power. Oh, that so, is great. That is so, great. We haven't uh, heard that that one in a while. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, if you didn't sell the shippers, sell them. Uh, you're you're okay. probably back to where you started, but they're going lower. Interesting, interesting. All right, well, here's my. Uh, those are those are all fabulous picks, as they always are. Thank Toby. you. All right, so my buy, Hershey. We're coming up into September. Hershey is always kind of traded well. It's a seasonal trade, especially going into the Halloween t- uh, time frame. Uh, also, October, we actually have the uh, the worldwide uh, collector and custom car show. It brings in people worldwide just into Hershey, Pennsylvania, and everybody's spending money, obviously, at the park. They're buying the candies and everything else. It's, it's definitely the stock to be. Uh, plus, their park, their theme park, actually saw growth year over year. They're announcing it now. Uh, we saw some numbers come out. They're up over 15%. So they uh, they still have people that are going there despite anything else with inflation. They still have people that are going to that park and are spending money there as well. How much is, so, how much is the park uh, part of their total revenues, Todd? I, I don't know. So total revenues are actually only a fraction. It's about, actually about 20% of their total revenues uh, for the worldwide candy uh, sales. But when you see, but the park itself, they continue to expand it. Uh, they also have some, uh, they have the Hershey Hotel obviously is always sold out and that's direct revenue that goes back into the company. So definitely one of those companies you want to take a look at, especially from a seasonal trading standpoint, usually does really well. Around November is the time that you want to sell out and take the profits and move on. Oh, I, right thought, now, I thought you were going to talk about Halloween time. for crying out loud. And, you know, yeah, Halloween. Yeah. And Christmas. Okay. Yeah, well, Halloween. Halloween, it's time you want to start buying Hershey. Well, we're, guess what, Toby? It's almost fall. So I just want to tell you, oh, we're right there. It's almost no, it's time. Not. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not there, but yeah. It's 92 degrees outside, Todd. It's not fall. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. JP Morgan is going to be my hold. Industry's uh, largest prime broker. Toby, you mentioned it best earlier when you started talking about how we had the computerized trading, the automated trading that was taking place today that helped facilitate the sell-off. Well, all those trades get executed with a prime broker like JP Morgan. Yeah, and JP true. Morgan is... They they don't charge a commission, but they do make their money off of their internal trading, whether they're picking up pennies here and there. You pick up crumbs, enough crumbs, you have a full pie. That's definitely, I recommended JP Morgan a few weeks ago. Definitely one of those you want to hold on to. Look, don't don't copyright, pick up a few pennies, and then you have a full pie or crumbs or whatever or it is. Crumbs. You, you don't I, like that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, honestly, for, for all the dumb things you've ever said, that is <laughs> in the pantheon of Schoenberger. <laughs> is well, well, I'm definitely going to repeat that crumbs, one. You have a pie. <laughs> I would, I would, I'll repeat that one every week. I might do it. Oh, and I know. Week. God, I haven't heard that. <laughs> All right, my sell is Churchill Downs, as pains me to say this. Saratoga Springs, for those that follow horse racing, they race once yep. a year in August. And volumes are down 50%. Nobody's going out there to watch the Whitney Handicap is not getting the numbers that they think they were expecting in Saratoga. And the weather's been fine. They just aren't getting the volume of gamblers that they normally do. And I really think that the issues that they had last year in the industry with trainer Bob Baffert, drug resources, yeah. uh, is might be taking a toll on the casual type of, um, of, of uh, interest uh, coming from fans. And, and that doesn't bode well for, for companies in Churchill Downs. Already you want to start selling it anyway, leading up into the triple crown season. But huh. right now, this is one of those companies you want to get out of right now. There's no reason to own it. If you haven't sold it yet, definitely want to sell it now. So, so they own Saratoga. They own Churchill Downs. and Yeah. Numbers are down. Usually that company is great to buy in April. And yeah. you buy that stock, you buy it for the, the seasonality aspect of it. You get that lift, get people that there's a lot of jazz that goes on with it. I mean, people are excited. Sure. They're talking about it. 
And then following after the derby, going into the Preakness is usually a good time to capture those profits. Uh, that still might be the case, but right now the stock is just sliding. Hmm. Definitely one that you want to get out of. So right. I highly recommend, I definitely say that. So listen, coming up next week, we do have our wine special with Toby and Monique. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but we also have the critical jobs number that's coming out next Friday. So Toby and I are going to talk about that. And um, and that's going to be one of those numbers. I know you keep telling me it's backwards looking and everything else. But J-PAL did say today that they are data dependent. And you know as well as I do, they are going to be looking at that number. And I know well, they look at weekly jobless claims. But that jobs number, I think it's going to be one of those critical numbers that we could potentially have another four-digit sell-off going into the long weekend. No, no. Bad news is good news. Okay. Bad news is good news. If All we right. had a big job number, that would be bad news and yeah. that would make the market go down. You got to remember, because that, even though it's a, lead, a, a trailing indicator, Fed only has two jobs. One is inflation and one is the, you know, to keep maximum employment. If employment was going up, that means that the economy is going up, which means that inflation is staying high, which means the Feds have to uh, slam the brakes even harder. That's you know, right. in the old days, the old days, they used to call it take the punch bowl away. That was the like metaphor for years. Punch um, bowl, punch bowl. Oh my goodness. Is that a Tobyism right there? No, no, it is not. You it is not. You're just not old enough oh my goodness. or educated enough to Punch understand bowl. That, that that was what they used to say back in the 60s and 70s. Oh my goodness. On, on that's what their job was to do. So if they keep they pulling the stocks back then? away, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a Dow, you know another thousand points but if people think that you know that that the, it's working that the that oh. the interest rate hikes and just the bearishness the hawkishness of the fed is 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 going to have an effect on inflation then that's going to help <laughs> us find a bottom but i will just say this i said it again typically in every recession that's ever caused by the fed that bear market only ends when the fed says okay we're done right there's never been and then that doesn't even count there's never been a recession that had energy price spikes like we have that ended until they raise rates like crazy. Human beings don't change. Circumstances change. This combination of energy shock, geopolitical shock, yeah. inflation shock, the combination of it all just says that you can't... Remember, housing, rental prices are up 24% year over year. That's 30% of the CPI number, 29%, is housing. Automobile prices are up 14%. That's 8% manufacturing of vehicles. So we have already about one third of the CPI is going to remain at least 20% higher for the next two, three quarters. They can't do anything about that uh, until rents come down, until auto prices come down. And they don't have any control of that other than demand. Okay. Um, and so we're going to have, I'll make you this bet, Todd, we will have 6% CPI inflation, certainly in September. And it's very likely that we're at five and a half to six percent in October because Ooh. of the base effects. The base rates uh, are year over year, and yeah. the, the the rental rates didn't really start you know cranking till September and October of last year. So Doom it's not getting any easier, brother. It's not. Getting it is easier. definitely not. Definitely treacherous times right now for for the equity markets. That's for yeah. sure. Well, that's great. Well, Toby, next week, next next week's show, we'll be talking about that jobs number. We're also going to be talking about the NFL. We're going to talk about gambling. They got college football that's starting oh, September first. Yeah. NCAA uh, schools can start contacting their spring sports recruiters. I recruits. I tell you. There's so much going on, Toby. We, I don't even know where to begin, but all I know is that we're going into the weekend. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today at BHS Live. On behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next time. Take care. Ciao, ciao.
A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.